Welcome back to Coaches on the Beach. Today we have an awesome guest, Mike Plachek. Mike is recruiting coordinator for Wave Volleyball and runs collegebeachvb.com. He is also the coach for Miles Partain and Andy Benish as they hope to make a run for the Olympics here in 2024. Mike, it's great to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you guys for having me. Excited to be here. Mike, as the as the most interesting man in beach volleyball, um, talk us through a little bit about just your journey from uh, kind of getting started full time beach, uh, high school national champ indoor, Division one tennis player, uh, Czech national team, and then taking some dubs on the NVL and the AVP. Tell tell us how you kind of got through it all and decided to to be there in San Diego, uh, running a club and coaching pros. Yeah. Um... See, so my dad was a tennis player. Uh, my mom was a volleyball player. Um, so when they immigrated uh, from Czech Republic, they went to New Jersey and then California. And so I started playing tennis at a really young age. Um, started playing like competitive tournaments. I was probably eight or nine. And then probably around when I was 10 or 11, my mom got back into beach volleyball down in Del Mar here in San Diego. So I always had to go watch her play. And after a while, I just kind of got bored of watching and wanted to start and just kind of like fell in love with the sport. Um, and just a lot of similarities with um, tennis and just like the, the thought process and the chess match I always loved. Um, and it was always like a kind of a release from <laughs> the stress of tennis. So it was like uh, just really fun for me to go out and play. Um, but yeah, I. I Tennis was such a big investment for my family and for me that I wanted to see it all the way through. Um, and I was really high ranked in tennis when I was 16. So it was kind of like, do you want to play, do I want to play pro? Do I want to play college? And um, just it was the grind of tennis was too much. And I wanted to see it through. So I played all the way through college at UCSB. But like my dream since I was a kid was to go play on the AVP. So um, yeah, I mean, every free weekend I had when the AVP was in California, I forced my parents to wake up super early and drive me and I would sit behind those courts all day and watch. And, um, yeah, luckily uh, my mom trained a lot of pro beach players and like pro athletes of all sports. So I got to kind of be around them, like watch how they move, watch how they train. And it was always just like a dream of mine to do it. So, um, yeah, it was dream come true to be part of it. still. when you're playing but, tennis at UCSB, are, are you still playing beach volleyball as well? Uh, I played whenever I could. Yeah. Like it was just not a lot of time because tennis, like we're playing all, I mean, it's six days a week with conditioning and school and, but, um, yeah, there was a couple of nice sand courts on campus that I would get some guys come out with me and play. And then, um, uh, when I was in my fraternity, my junior, senior year, we had a quarter house and there was a few guys in the indoor team that were in the house. So we pretty much play. I mean, I would run back from tennis practice and go play on the sand there. So it was, like, yeah, my junior, senior year, I actually played a lot, but it was a lot more like fours and uh, like jungle ball stuff. But like every once in a while, we'd get some competitive games in. But yeah, I just furthered my love for the sport. That's uh, That's got to be a dream, right? We, Santa Barbara needs a team. East Beach needs a, a UCSB team to root for. Maybe coaching college. Yeah. Has there been any looks that way? Any hopes or dreams of that? You and Jordan Dyer probably have to fight over that. That <laughs> Uh, I, I hope it gets started there. It's just like part of the culture there in Santa Barbara. There's so many good players that come out of there, and uh, the, the beaches are great. But there's really nice campus courts too. So um, yeah, I, I selfishly hope that they start it and get it going and um, get competitive pretty quickly. Right. But yeah, it's a proud volleyball tradition there in that city. Men, yeah, men's indoor there at Santa Barbara, the Gauchos. 
uh, always a, a strong program. Uh, yeah. you, you talked about watching young, you know, AVP when you were younger. Who was the who were the guys that you looked up to, or the gals that you looked up to on the AVP tour? Uh, I mean, Karch. Karch, I used to sit on his court all day and watch. Um, I love watching Fenoy play. Brian Lewis had a really good jump serve, so I love watching him. I, like my game was, I, had, I always had a really good jump serve when I was younger, and I just kind of sit down and study him. Uh, and then yeah, Fenoy, I don't know, just guys that. And just happened to be around my height because um, back then when it was big court, it was a different game. So those, I mean, those games could last forever, and it was just teeing off on jump serves and uh, siding out over and over and over. So um, those are probably the main ones I looked up to and just try to model my game after I was out of yeah. And uh, yeah, also Sean Scott was in San Diego for a little bit, so it was fun watching him develop. Um, and then the Whit brothers, Andy, Larry used to come down to San Diego in the summer, so it was cool. Like as they started getting on the tour, watching them too, and learning from them. But yeah, just, yeah, Fanoi's probably, plus he was a gaucho. He was in the same fraternity as I was. So yeah, he was one I probably studied quite a bit. Uh, is there uh, any fun little rivalry now that Fanoi's running a club just up north of you? Do you guys, you guys <laughs> see each other at a ton of tournaments, I imagine. I know you guys don't do a ton of club tournaments, but I'm sure you're running into them regularly. <laughs> a decent amount. Like, I mean, I'm coaching on the road so much. I think, well, so Matt Olson's the director for Wave. So he's at, uh, I did some of the clubby club events last fall and uh, did some of the junior national events this summer. But I think, yeah, Matt's a little more like knee deep in all those. Uh, MB Sands got a really good program. Spikers got, I mean, there's just like up and down the West Coast and then Elite, obviously, with Fanoia. Yeah, there's, yeah, those clubby clubs are pretty tough. And then uh, Mariano usually brings a club from uh, Arizona. Um, and Dakai from Washington. I mean, just those are really, really good events. So hopefully that's going to keep growing too. You're kind of all over the place, right? So we talked a little bit about your Czech, right? I think we you mentioned yeah. your parents are from the Czech Republic. So where yeah. where exactly in the Czech Republic are you from? So uh, my mom's from Karlovy Vary. My dad is from Brno. Uh, so like two different sides, and then they met in Prague. And so, um, yeah, uh, when they immigrated, like – we had a way for, you know, eventually when communism, it was, I don't know, long story for me, but when communism ended, we got to go back and uh, visit and see it. And so that was a pretty special time for my parents and for me and my siblings. Um, and then when the tour uh, went under in 2010, my mom made a couple calls to her friends in Czech Republic because I had a Czech citizenship so and Czech passport. So I went and played um, FIVB and some Czech tour tournaments. So that was, it was really neat, like being part of that and just, be able to keep playing because that was the hardest thing is like I felt like I was finally getting better and all of a sudden like crap what do I do now so um yeah I'm really thankful I had that opportunity into the Czech Federation for allowing me to go do that because I think probably some of those players weren't super stoked about it um but yeah it was really cool and neat this is so neat to travel and see the world and meet new people and pretty thankful I got those opportunities yeah and you guys do travel quite a bit even even now we were talking before we started recording that you're going to Paris. You just got back from Chicago, going down to Mexico. You and your family travels with you sometimes, right? They're going to go with us to Paris. Um, this year, not so much. Like, they haven't traveled with me too much for these events. Um, they were maybe going to go to Brazil, but then it just seemed like it was going to be too much with school and just because of the, like, the unknowns of all the different travels. So I just told them to stay home, unfortunately. My wife wasn't super stoked because I think she really <laughs> wanted to go, but um we'll try to make it a make it there another time because it's such an amazing country 
But yeah. Um, yeah, they'll be going to Brazil, and then hopefully, I mean, my wife you know, wants to go with me maybe to um, to Dubai, and hopefully some next year. But um, yeah, I mean, just it's it's new for Andy Miles and me. Um, so I mean, a big part of it is just making sure we're super focused, no distractions on the road, and uh, my family's been super supportive and understanding of what we're trying to do and the goals we're trying to accomplish. So, um, but yes. yeah, it's definitely like being hard, being away from my family, especially when you know, there was a stretch in Brazil, it was like, you know, two and a half weeks. When we were went uh, Montreal to Atlanta was another, you know, two and a half weeks away. So, it's, you know, it's tough, but, you know, we're learning and, you know, growing as a team. So that's, it's pretty special. Yeah. I wanted to ask you kind of a two-parter question off of this too. Um, one, what, what has been like a place that you guys have gone with your whole family that has been super special to have your family there to watch everything to get to go experience the culture where you are and then the second is is there a, a place that you've coached or played in that has just blown your mind yeah it was pretty special last or uh, a couple falls ago i went um with my wife and kids and my parents we went to um barcelona and then we went to watch my dad play international like men's 75 and over tennis tournament um the international tournament and then um then we went to czech republic so they could my kids could see where uh, you know, my parents grew up. So that was probably the most special, like, family vacation um, for them to experience. Yeah, at then they were troopers. Um, they actually adjusted at the time way better than I did. <laughs> so then um, last year, the whole family, uh, when Miles was playing with Paul Lotman, um, after they won Atlanta, they bought uh, a full, like, trip for my wife and kids to go to Chicago. So that was my kids, like, first, like, travel trip to see what the Pro Tour was like and uh, the AVP was great. They got them like a nice box where they can watch us play on stadium. And it was, that was the first like kind of aha moment for my kids to see what, what I was doing and uh, <laughs> what the beach volleyball pro tour is like. So yeah, that, oh, dad's pretty good at this. This is crazy. Oh, <laughs> oh these people really like dad's weirdly smart about beach volleyball. This is uh, no. Yeah. Those guys make me look pretty good. I think that's gotta be pretty special to like know that, you're at the top of the world right now with the competition that you're playing in. Your kids at home see you just as dad, maybe. I don't know how much you talk shop with them at home, but then they get to come see you actually compete at the highest level. Yeah, no, they watch all the matches. Like, my whole family does. My wife texts me. Like, sometimes they'll be – it's like, when I'm on the world tour, I can't be in the box. Like, I'm up top. I go to my, like, whatever, whatever my lucky spot would be. I'm, I'm pretty superstitious. So whatever that would be. And like, my wife will text me like, Oh, Luke says it's surf short down the middle. Like it was kind of funny. I mean, my whole family is super into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we're really excited for them to go experience like the world tour in Paris. Cause the world tour is such a, I mean, the AVP is amazing too, but the world tour is just a little, a little different. It's big. I mean, it's like, you have the shuttle taking you all over the place. The, you know, it's just it's pretty neat and pretty cool. So I'm excited for them to see what the world tour is like as well. Yeah. So will Paris be their first uh, their first FIVB trip with you? Yeah. Yeah. It will be. Yeah. So I was yeah I was telling Mike one bit before that we'll try to spend probably like Sunday Monday doing a little bit of sightseeing. PSG plays um, in their stadium Monday night. It's like oh man that'd be pretty cool, right? So like both my kids play competitive soccer. So that would be. A pretty neat moment, but we haven't pulled the trigger if we're going to do that one or not. But um, yeah, and then I mean, we'll, we'll for sure practice with Andy Miles Sunday, Monday, but then really start to like dial in and get focused Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then start Thursday. So, but yeah, it's 
I think we play inside the Roland Garros Tennis Stadium, so that will be really neat. Um, yeah, I'm excited about that too. Just to come from like a tennis background, it's a pretty historic place. Yeah, for for the beach volleyball fans that don't know, Roland Garros is is the where the French Open takes place. Um, famous yeah. red clay courts. Uh, I'm sure it, it's Rafa who's won it like a thousand times, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the French yeah. Open. Um, that sounds like a really fun event. It's the Olympic tester event, so that should be. You know, Paris is pulling out all the stops for it, so that should be a good experience. Um, are there any things that are going to be different about the Paris event compared to maybe some normal FIVB events, or should it be business as usual? Uh, it should be business as usual. And like I said, every tournament's so competitive, too. Just Like I said, because of the Australia tournament being canceled, that was supposed to be an elite. Now it's teams need finishes, and I think that's going to be – a big one. Um, it, I'm curious if some teams will pull out, given that Mexico is the very next weekend. But I mean, I'm expecting a pretty full field, and I think all these Europeans and you know European teams are super excited to be there. And I think a lot of teams are flying straight from Paris to uh, Mexico City, either you know Sunday or Monday. So um, yeah, it, it should be a pretty pretty loaded event. Yeah, and speaking of not business as usual, right? You're going straight from Paris. To Mexico City for World Champs. World mm-hmm. Champs is probably the closest event to the Olympics. Um, would that be a fair fair statement outside of obviously the Olympics themselves? Yeah, yeah. I mean, before the year, that's what all the like everybody I was seeking advice from. It was like, you got to get into World Champs. You got to into World Champs. So um, yeah, we made sure we did everything we could, and um, it was not an easy road because, <laughs> like I said, Miles is still. Uh, playing indoor at the time so it was a lot of things up in the air but we're really glad that we got in and it worked out this way but um i mean it's we're excited about it but like i said i think we're trying to live everything like one day at a time one tournament at a time so first thing is paris do the best we can there and then get ready for our talks call but it's like yeah you can't you can't overlook any team ever everybody's good so just trying to focus on once we get our pull for paris who we play first and kind of go from there so for folks at home that maybe don't watch a ton of um, international beach, right? Uh, most international events like Paris will be a four-day event. Right? It'll be Thursday through Sunday. Um, it'll start with some pool play on Friday for the main draw. Uh, is there any qual? There's no on-site qualifier, right? Are they yeah, there is. Yeah. So the Paris is on. You're talking about Paris? Yeah, Paris. I think the qualifier is Wednesday. We start Thursday. Okay. So it's Thursday, Friday, and then usually, um, yeah, Saturday, Sunday playoffs. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, we'll basically fly out Monday back to LAX and then to two, on Tuesday go to Mexico City. And the, and the big difference for world champs, right, in addition to the fact that, one, you get to call world, yourself world champs, um, at this particular one, it's an Olympic qualifying event. So the team that wins for both genders, uh, they get an auto bid to the Olympics in 2024. It also takes place over two weeks, right? So yeah. it's, it's play your first match in pool play then have an off day, then play another match in pool play, then have an off day, then, you know, and keep going that way until all of a sudden at the end of two weeks, we're catching uh, your, your finals, which uh, I would hope you guys are, are shooting for uh, getting, yeah. getting that one. And I know you don't want to look too far ahead, but as a coach that's trying to plan out, you know, what does practice look like? What do things, uh, you know, how are we going to nutrition? How are we going to make sure that we see Mexico city? Cause hey, we haven't been too much, but. Uh, yeah. Talk me through a little bit of what that decision-making process is for you guys. Yeah, it's um, and we play in Fox Call, and it's around like seven thousand feet up. So um, 
yeah, I know the guys. I mean, USA has been helpful with China, like altitude acclimation, um, getting them in a program. But we're going to try to go up to Big Bear in a couple weekends, and that's pretty similar height. Um, jump on a court over there and you know, see if we can get three or four practice sessions just to get a feel for what it's like breathing in that. And also, just from what I heard from last year, like jump serves is really tough. Everything goes out. So um, just yeah, get a feel for what that's going to be like. But it's going to be tough going because they, all of us are going to be going straight to Paris. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to like stay acclimated unless you stay in the altitude the entire time, which is really tough unless we'll see if Mullen Sorum go to Paris or not. But, um, most teams are going to be like trying to get a feel for it, go to Paris and then try to go right away to Mexico to, you know, I think we'll hopefully get four days there to get acclimated and get practices in. Um, but then, yeah, like where the schedule should come out this week in terms of who we play first and what days and what times and everything. But yeah, I just, I don't know, try not to get, I think mean, the good thing about Miles and Andy is they never really get high and low. We're pretty steady and pretty focused. And um, I mean, they're pros, they know what they need to do. And I just try to do everything I can to help them. Yeah. You, you talked about helping uh, Miles and, and Paul Lottman. Um, is that kind of, Lottie's a, a San Diego guy. So I imagine you mm -hmm. guys, I've met a few times through that train probably helped coach him a little bit with what Tim was he with Baumgren for a little while who's he with well uh he was playing this year with Tim yeah but um yeah when he when Paul first stopped playing indoor and moved to San Diego I was coaching him um Derek Olson Paula Riza we had a pretty good group um Alejandro Parra so I was helping them like I pretty much helped Paul get a start uh, so it's kind of it's been really neat to watch him just kind of take off and keep improving and he was always pretty supportive of me as a coach and um yeah, so that's kind of how I got my start with him and Miles um, a couple years ago in Manhattan Beach. And, uh, yeah, I was with them last year as well. So really neat. Paul's, Paul's a pro and just really good guy, really good player. So really thankful for my time I got to learn from him. And that kind of helped transition you maybe into a Miles and Andy role, right, as Miles and Paul see their careers going a different way, right? Paul had another child, probably didn't want to do world tour travel quite as much. Miles is – still doing indoor at UCLA and then him and Andy pick it up and they're like, you know what, let's do this whole Olympic thing. Um, was that kind of, what was the phone call like from miles and Andy about, Hey Mike, we'd really like you to stick around. Yeah. Um, yeah, we talked, I don't remember all the exact dates, probably, uh, like January ish. Um, you know, I called them, interviewed with them, I guess is a good way to put it. And then, um, called a second time and I uh, decided we would, work together and it's been really, really, like I said, I can't say enough good things about what I've learned from them and the times I've had with them. And then, um, yeah, I mean, part of it we were waiting, you know, until Miles is going to be done with indoor. I spent a lot of time with Andy, um, just training, you know, he came out of San Diego. I would go up there just do whatever we could to help get him ready, get the jump setting timing, just, you know, and just learn. And we, did, we spent a lot of time with zooms, um, just trying to figure out what defensive systems we want to do and, uh, what language we want to have. Um, in terms of you know, communication, the core, who's doing what at certain times. So, I mean, we did a lot before they even started playing together in Brazil. So, um, but yeah, it was really, like I said, so much learning from all of us. And then it's been really, really fun and unique to see them grow and to see this all kind of evolve uh, because the way they, the way they play is different. Like a lot of teams, they said, I mean, they study so hard and, spend so much time like off the court watching film and how they can get better, what defensive schemes need to improve. And adjust. so it's, I, I can't even begin to tell you the amount of 
off the time court I spend with them, but then what they do on their own too when I'm not around. Just getting better and better all the time. And Noah's big the who started the jump setting. How'd that how'd that get kicked off? Was that Miles? Was that you? Yeah, that was Miles. He was doing it at a young age. I think he's probably like fifteen, sixteen already, just doing it effortlessly. And so, um, I mean, Andy does it incredibly well too, just for having done it only for less than a year pretty much now. I'm trying to remember back to last year. I don't think he was doing it playing with Miles Evans at all. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Andy's so athletic and talented. So it's just what he's done already this year. If we can just keep building and he's just going to keep getting better and better at it. So we just got to keep pushing the envelope. But yeah, it's pretty incredible what he can do. But yeah, I mean, Watching Miles do it last year too, and watching the year before him, and I, I think he was 19, I think, when I watched him the first time in Hatton Beach in the box, and it was just like, oh my God, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> it's like, it's so deceptive and so natural at the same time, but like when he can hit option balls from 10 feet off the net, and like just slant, and like he hits it so hard, it's not like he's like placing it, like he'll tee off on an option ball, and it's just like, oh my God, like it's incredible what he can do, right? So if you're a blocker, like everything looks legitimate. Like, how do you not jump on him, right? And then if you get too yeah. far over, he does that jump set, and it's nasty. So you know, it's really I, neat to watch. Like, even as a fan, like, I'm almost a fan sometimes just watching from the box. Yeah, I remember when he first uh, – not first broke out. That's not even fair because him and Marcus qualified when they were 15 years old or whatever. I think Miles Mar- was 15 and Marcus was 16 or something like that. Um, yeah, but yeah. in 2020, in the COVID games, he uh, he fakes out Phil. Upset, and I remember watching from home and being like, "This kid, like Miles, you're just a kid, man. You're not supposed to be out here. He wasn't even in college yet at the time, right? That was uh, that was going into here at UCLA, and he takes out the goat on a jump set. It was the coolest moment. So it's fun watching guys run it full time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember that video too. I think Ty Loomis appreciated that set. (laughs) <laughs> it's really rare, like, how often do you ever get an open net as a pro, right? So, yeah, Miles is definitely a appreciating percentage. Yeah. yeah. Fun and, moment. And you have some unbelievable coaching experience now, like that some of us will never even sniff at at the highest level, you know. But when, when we're talking about coaching, what kind of things can other coaches kind of what, – what advice would you have about training or about in-game coaching? Just, I try to have a really open mind and like be like constantly adapt and listen to the players. I think that's the one thing I try to do is like really listen to what Miles and Andy need and then not be stubborn. Like certain times, like, hey, well, I think, you know, I want to go and like run a practice this way. And certain times like they'll send me a text like, hey, we want to do like bam, 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 bam. Like, all right, let's do it. Like, so I think um, just I try to always have an open mind, be adaptable and just do what the team needs me to do rather than like try to impose like, Hey, this is what we're doing. And so I think that that's been uh, really good for me. Um, and then just like studying and studying and studying, watching film and watching how other teams do it. Like, I know we spent a lot of time watching Mullen Sorum and then just studying them. And like, I mean, like it's hard because you want to watch it as a fan sometimes too, just how good these players are, but then you have to like take your mind out of that. Like, okay, well, how are we going to beat them? And then how are we going to beat this team and beat this team and beat this team? And I like, I have a notebook of like tendencies and certain things that all these teams like to do and take notes of all of our matches. So I can always look back and try to remember things for next time because you see these teams over and over um, and it's hard to beat them. Like teams are always 
whether you win or lose, they're going to adapt and do something against you next time. So it's it's really hard to try to predict. Okay, they're going to be doing this. So like this is our counter, and uh, just never feel like you're catching up to other teams, but you're always ahead of the eight ball. So um, I think just you got to love coaching and love putting in the work and the hours. And like I try to tell myself not to be like, scared of failing, like and saying the wrong thing. It's like you know I want to do everything I can to help them, um, but the same you know. I, but I don't want to. I don't know the right way. I think sometimes coaches can be like, especially coaching pros. I'm like, oh, they're so good. Like, I like to be scared of saying something. I feel like I want to go in and like be confident. And um, if I say something wrong and like, hey, they like run this play and they beat us on it, like, not think like bad about myself or be upset with myself. It's like, okay, well, they made a good play. Like, think about the very next thing. And I think that um, same kind of thing. I think we're all on a team together and just recognizing that, like I said, we're all going to make mistakes, but we're all going to learn together. And, um, so I rambled a little bit, but I think part of it is just like the biggest thing is having an open mind has really helped me. And everything I thought seven years ago, like working with Miles and Ann, it's like, dang, I wish I would have known that seven years ago. Right. So it's, I've changed the way I've coached a lot of the club youth players and the defensive schemes based on what I've learned from them and watched on film from other pros. So just, yeah, just not being close minded is the number one thing of advice I can give to coaches. Yeah, let's let's get into that club scene a little bit. When you decided that you wanted to also do the club game, what what was that decision like, and how did that play out, and what, what is it like coaching club kids, helping club kids get recruited? Yeah, um, so I, I've been working with Matt Olson now at Wave. Uh, Matt's been the director since I started there, and you know back in the day it was. You know, it started with the ABCA, and then it became a college sport, and the sports just kind of boomed in Southern California and across the country, even worldwide, right? So um, it's been really neat uh, working with him and watching the club grow from, you know, we used to work on the Sancourt, like at the beach in Del Mar, and then now we have that facility, and we have a three-court facility a mile away, right next to our indoor courts, and it's just, like I said, been a blessing. Um, a lot of great families I've worked with, a lot of great kids, and uh, they're all really eager to practice and just to watch the consistency. You know, like four or five years ago, we didn't know how many kids are left in the program because we didn't know, really know who was going to show up. Kids are kind of wishy-washy, and now it's like we have to really decide. I mean, it's just there's so many good kids that don't want to miss practice. So it's been really neat just to watch the evolution of all the players and their their drive to be really good. Um, yeah, because like four or five years ago, you know, even seven years ago, we didn't know what the there's going to be college beach volleyball and blossom where it is now. So um, everybody's really hungry. And if you're a parent too, like, well, my kid can play college beach volleyball. Like we have this great facility and these coaches right there. So it's been, I mean, like you said, across, across all of the country, I mean, these, these clubs are booming and really, really good. So, I mean, I know you guys have to go and recruit all over and you see talent everywhere. So um, it's, yeah, it's been really neat to watch that grow as a, as a coach and a player. Very few environments quite like the Wave Beach Courts. Uh, they're the three courts you guys have on the backside. Um, yeah. Good matter. Two of the best to do it. And uh, I think that's – you're also probably too humble, both of you guys, about that because uh, I don't think Matt ever once talks about his playing career to the girls, and he probably should a little bit mention that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but how do you talk about – you know, I'm sure the girls see Miles and Andy now, especially like playing on the AVP and playing on the world tour. How do you yeah. kind of take stuff? You're like, hey, we did this at practice the other day and implement it for a group that maybe isn't doing things in the same way. 
Yeah. I mean, I try not to hold them back at all. I mean, we work on side setting, jump setting, pokes. I mean, we just, I think it's one thing watching Miles and Andy is they're really good at like weird touches and just never know when they have to, you know, pull a tomahawk out or like lefty reverse pose. I mean, so it's, I try to think outside the box, even with the club kids too, and just get them out of their comfort zone and make them do things that will make them really good beach players. Um, but yeah, I mean, I try to teach them a lot of the same defensive schemes, but also like, yeah, it's not quite as like the way Miles and Andy play, the way they communicate, they're really dialed in and they know each other. And so it's like, it's different when you have 20 kids or 26 kids, um, different heights, different levels, but we try to under make them understand the thinking behind, like, what do we want the hitter to think? What do we want the setter to think? When do we want to time moves? And um, so I try to bring as much like information I'm learning to the club. And uh, it's, I think, like I said, the, the girls follow what I'm doing and they know I'm on the road and I'm sure a lot of them are watching those matches and learning too. So and every once in a while, like Andy came to a couple of our practices last fall. And so the kids got to see him and, you know, he taught them block. It was, it was, so yeah, I mean, the girls are familiar with what we're doing and I think that they understand like how much I'm learning and are pretty, I, I feel like they're grateful and everybody's grateful, but at the same time, I'm like constantly trying to learn what I can do better as a coach. And I, I guess the other piece of advice, I always, every session, even when I left today, it's like, I'm driving home. Like, okay, like what did I do? Right. What should I have done differently? But yeah, it's, it's different levels, but similar concepts. And I think the biggest thing is as coaches that we're teaching them how to play chess and the mind games and um, how to get inside your opponent's head. So, that's that's the big thing. I feel like the kids are really embracing it and starting to understand the like why of it. So, with good sportsmanship, of course. <laughs> uh, it's easy to have good sportsmanship when you win a little bit more, right? That that probably helps. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we should expect to see some wave kids uh, probably jump setting, uh, moving a little bit on defense, and then blockers maybe oh, yeah. inside their body a little bit. Some loose elbows going on. Yeah, you'll see some fun stuff. Yeah, there it's coming. Um, and then a lot of the college girls that came back uh, for the summer too. It's just yeah, different stuff, and just trying to make them think and learn. And just yeah, I always tell them, do what your college coaches tell you. But like these are different things that you could be looking for. How you can you can try to manipulate the hitters into doing what you want, um, rather than like having to chase what the hitter's going to be doing. So just trying to give them that same open mindset of you know how you can play beach volleyball so many different ways and but also like spend time studying film, studying your opponents, watching different things. Cause you guys have, I mean, tons of kids. It's hard for you guys to give every one of those kids like individual video time. Like, you guys don't have enough hours in the day, right? So it's, I'm trying to encourage a lot of them, like, you know, do it on your own, then go spend time with a coach or, you know, just, but yeah, they have to, they want to be good. It's going to come from within them too. So. Yeah. I've got one of those that she's been, um, she's from an, another country. She's from Andorra. Uh, small, uh, and she watches all the time. She goes, Coach, I was watching this and I, I saw this. What you, can we do this at practice? And I'm like, Yeah, Andy, sure, we can we can give it a go. Let's <laughs> let's run it out there. Who knows? I don't even know how you watch that, but that's awesome. So, uh, uh, you've been one of the biggest benefactors to college beach volleyball. Um, and, and probably I'm not even sure people know that you run it necessarily or how it works, but collegebeachvb.com. Uh, started out what 2016 ish is that a know. while ago yeah i keep forgetting the years i used to remember like oh it's been two years now it's like oh, it's, yeah, <laughs> too many years. Year. <laughs> um what what sparked you to start that why i mean that thing it, it's still free which is crazy it's awesome and we appreciate it um but what sparked the inspiration for 
putting all this information in one place and being a benefit to the sport. Yeah. So when I was a college tennis player, there was a website that was somewhat similar to that. Um, but like, you know, at that time there was no scouting. There's no like, you know, whatever it was, there was a site that basically told, it was pretty similar to that where it had all the scores, who played who, and then you could go back. So if I was playing you, I would look at your last, you know, so like I played number, say I played three for UCSB and we were going to play your school and you were number three. I would try to see, okay, you're, you know, five ten. this is what your record's been. Like, so I could try to get a feel for what I might expect as a tennis player. Right. And said so it was pretty neat. So, I mean, I was on that site all the time. And then I remember, so down the road now, like I was, all these kids were going to play in college and there wasn't like a universal site where I could see how my kid at Arizona was doing and this girl UCLA was doing. It's like, I can't just keep going like website to website. So mm-hmm. I started asking them, I was coaching indoor with uh, Marie Zydek, who I uh, now as head coach at DePaul, we were coaching that wave together and we're on one of our rides at the tournament. I'm like, Marie, is there a, like, have you heard of anything like this for beach volleyball? And she's like, no, like you should start it. I'm like, oh, all right. Like I'll try. <laughs> and um, so that's kind of how it started and just kind of built it little by little by little and um, spent a lot of time talking to coaches like, you know, what do you think this should be? And just trying to pick their brains on how I can make it better. And then with the ratings and rankings, just trying to keep growing with it. And it's it's been a lot, but it's been really, really fun to see it grow. And I think hopefully the players, I'm hoping, start to get more and more into it. Because um, so I think there's some really cool, like, ratings um, that are on there and, like, following um, also, like, the um, – the team rankings that um, Pablo has are pretty. It's just there's a lot of cool things about the site that I'm a dork about. So I hope that players and coaches will keep just understanding it and being more of a part of it. And uh, but yeah, I, I hope you guys are into it too. It's been it's been fun. Yeah, a lot of work, but really fun. I I, I love that site, and we used Pablo last year for our conference. But I think the most underrated part of that entire page is the FAQ session section under the Pablo. <laughs> Um, some of the answers in there, some some of the questions that you throw out there, it 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 is a good time, good laugh. If you ever want to read through some of those, it's just one of those forthright uh, answer and question se- segments in that. But yeah, Pablo, yeah. can you can you explain a little bit about Pablo? I know I know some coaches are like, I'm not quite sure. I'm one of those that I I got a slight idea and then something happens in a weekend and I'm like, yeah, yeah I don't I don't know. Yeah, well, I know Pablo, he works a lot with the indoor game, right? So, and there's the Pablo indoor rankings. And, um, yeah, I had a partnership with uh, ABCA, and I was working closely with Kathy DeBoer. And she reached out, like, hey, you should talk to him, and kind of got me in contact with him. And we just brainstormed, like, how can we do this with the pairs and also with the teams? Um, but, yeah, I think what's kind of neat is when you look at the team rankings, it'll show you, it'll rate every, like, pair one, pair two, pair three, pair four, pair five, compared to the rest of the teams in the country and then give you an overall ranking. And that I thought was pretty neat too, is I think the biggest thing with all you coaches is like, oh, this coach is like, they're number four, should be three, or whatever. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm out of this, but like, that's what I think that Pablo has that's kind of unique is you can kind of see where all the teams, like where they win the most, like in black and white, right? So um, yeah, not to get to the mice, like I said, I just try to put out the data, give him the data and he spits out the rankings, but it's been, yeah, his FAQ there is pretty neat, but it's been, yeah, fun just, brainstorming with him and you know he asked me how it looks so on and so forth it's like it's so hard especially the pairs rankings too because you know how do you rank like 
a team that's number three at USC compared to a team on the East Coast that doesn't play each other, right? So it's 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 a challenge, but the fact that he's getting after it and putting the time to do it for me is pretty special. So I'm really grateful that he's doing that. Yeah, and as a you know college coaches and um, former you know we'll call it stu- you know student managers. When I was at South Carolina, when College Beach VB came out, I mean, like I should have sent you a Christmas card because <laughs> I used to have to track. Not have to. I used to get to track every lineup that every one of our opponents for an entire season put out. Yeah. And so so we could spot if somebody maybe pulled some lineup shenanigans. Um, yeah. And when my first year doing it, it took me forever. It must have taken me, you know, four hours to do each week <laughs> to get all four lineups uh. in there and get it all in the spreadsheet. So when I found collegebeachbb.com, uh, you saved me three hours of my life every week. I, I just, I can't thank you enough. And now we get the nerd out on on Pablo and get to experience those rankings. I just think, um, if anybody who enjoys the sport, like it's your catch all, right? You can see scores, you can see how players do, you can see news, right? You update the thing all the time with when coaches move around and and find mm-hmm. new places. It's just. Um, I guess it's a thank you, right? And I want to bring a little attention. There's a subscription now um, for it, so you can help kind of support collegebeachvb.com, uh, and you get some access to some fun extra tidbits yeah. of volume yeah. like the rest of us. So, yeah, the mover ratings I think are really neat. I mean, that's one of the things that you would pay for. But I mean, the amount of work that went into that, like I can't even tell you, right? And then we are trying to put together the master schedule. But the mover ratings, it's like it's based on the ELO, like a ELO system, and it's every match and individual plays, they go up or down a certain amount. And I, I don't know, I, I just, that was one thing I spent so much time on with the, um, I guess, I don't know how you want to call it. Like, the lady that I did is incredibly smart. So the fact that I was able to get her to do that with me and spend the time and research talking to coaches, and it's really challenging. Like, how do you evaluate how much a number three should be worth compared to two? Right. But I think that it's just gotten better and better uh, as it's gone on. And I don't know, I just, if I was a college beach ball player, like I would spend a lot of time, like I want to win all the time to see my own rating go up. Right. So I can make that list. So I hope that that is something that keeps growing and the players are thankful for too. So I know everybody, some people like numbers a lot, some people don't, but I always loved them. And when you're thinking about doing these different ratings, the mover rating, like where does that start from? Like, are you just sitting there? How can this be better? Or is it just something that pops into your head of we need a better way to rank everything on every level? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it's from you guys as coaches. Like, <laughs> and so I, I, I saw the need. Um, but a lot of that's like, well, how do we make this happen? And it's just I got to go out. Like I said, Kathy DeBoer was really helpful with me. Um, the, our, our friend that helped with the mover ratings has been great. So it's just sometimes I got lucky and met the right people. Um but I think just you guys know the volleyball community is pretty tight, and a lot of people have been really willing to help and want to see the site do well and want to see the sport grow. So I think we're all in the same boat when it comes to that. So, um, but yeah, I and mean, even I started the the committee poll and try to get uh, people in the industry and then ex players that just really cared about it. Um, and that's been you know it's fun to like coaches get mad at me like these are not my rankings like these are the people I chose, but you know, I think I had, you know, 13, 14 people the last couple of years that like took a lot of time and thinking behind it. And, um, I mean, so you guys know too, and I guess for the listeners, like before the, 
season starts, I go pretty much down to every team and send the committee. These are all the returners. These are all the freshmen. These were their fall results. Like, I, I mean, I, the, the amount of time I, and data I spend getting to the committee so that I can give the best votes possible. And um, I think everybody on there was referred to me or like really is kind of in the know of College Beach. So, no, I take a lot of pride in that. And I think everybody in that committee did too. So I think it's, it's a good compliment to the coaches poll. And um, I, hope, I hope that keeps growing too. I know nobody is just, yeah, it hurts me too because I know all you guys. I know all the coaches and I wish everybody could be number one, but fortunately it's not the case. <laughs> we appreciate that. One, one year you should just, or one week you should just throw out an everybody's number one poll. You used to do a ranking <laughs> of all 76 programs. Oh, yeah. I mean, shout out that committee. Good idea. But... Take some pressure off me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just make everybody happy for once, right? It'll be, yeah, that's a good call. Great. I like that. Good thinking. To, to shout out the committee a little bit, right? So you've got you got a couple of Wave alum on there, right? Savvy, Savvy, a legendary Wave alum. Um, we've also got Rob Asparo, right, who who runs um, – I'm forgetting the name of his podcast right now, but it's it's Volley. He runs a volleyball podcast. He does a great job uh-huh. with Beach. Um, I'd say we're – Michael and I are pretty big uh, Wayne Hawley fans. He is our uh, – <laughs> He is our most listened to episode to date, so um, pretty big fans of him. And then uh, I got to shout out Chrissy. Chrissy Jones, is she doing it again this year? She she didn't last year. She was the other years, yeah. But okay. now she's at Kalina, right? Yeah, so I, I'm actually going to play her on – my indoor team's going to play her on Friday. Uh, oh, really? And, I was, and I was Billy like, Allen's over there too now. You know that? Yeah, yeah Billy and Janelle are, are helping out with the program. Um, yeah. It's been very fun. Uh, Chrissy actually was – her first year on tour, uh, her and Zana tried out for P1440. Uh, and so I wound up being with them. So it's been a very fun, like, full <laughs> circle. We were texting the other day, like, man, I can't believe we're going to play each other on the indoor court here next <laughs> week. Who would have thought That's from cool. days of Hermosa? Um, yeah, that's neat. Like, you, you've got so much amazing beach volleyball knowledge. Then let's turn to the fact that you're also a certified physio. Like, how does that come up? How do you get, uh, how do you get into that? How does it play into coaching now? Yeah, um, I try with Miles and Andy. I try to stay out of it. Like, I let they have a, a trainer. Like, Miles will talk to me quite a bit too. Is I still like I understand they give my body pretty well, and Miles wants to know everything about everything. Right, so like, I try to teach him as much as I can, and he has got counters ready to go. And it's like, oh, man, how's that? really good i don't know i like guess the way he understands the body is incredible for his age too and that's part of it right now it's like we got to keep him healthy and um but yeah they're really in tune with what they're trying to do but uh my mom was like i said she was a uh, it's called the agoski method she used to be the like head of athletics for them so she had a lot of pro athletes come through san diego uh, i don't know if you can see some of the, the jerseys in the background but yeah i got to as a player i got to work out with a ton of incredible athletes like trevor hoffman junior sale were two legends that I got to spend a lot of time with. And um, when you see how they work and like the amount of time they put in and is it just like taught me what being a pro is like, right? When you see guys like that do it. So, but also my mom loved the job and same thing. She was constantly learning, trying new things, trying new sequences, how we can activate certain muscle. Anyway, so a lot of it is injury prevention. And so that's kind of been my, my staple. And then also with a lot of the club players and, adults I train so I you know I train people all walks all ages it's just how can I keep everybody as healthy as possible and um, just keep getting stronger but not like I said I think just being healthy is the number one thing so that's been a big specialty for me uh, how did you how did you kind of land on that profession 
Was it like, oh, I needed to make some money while being a pro beach volleyball player? <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I loved it too. It's just like, it's just another thing just like coaching where you're just constantly learning. And um, just you got to push the envelope a little bit with some clients if you want to get big gains, but also know how hard to push them, when to push them. Um, it's, it, you got to be sharp. And so I think that's part of it too, is that like, if you ever let your guard down or not watch somebody when they're doing something, like they can get hurt like that, right? So it's um, just, it's been really good for my focus and just my just knowledge of the body. And, um, but uh, yeah, like I said, I, I learned a ton from my mom watching her train all these people. And it's something I just, well, I want to do this too. Um, so yeah, when I graduated college and then I was not doing great at the beginning of my pro beach career, I got offered to run the Igoski Chicago. So I ran that branch for a year, and then all the guys that like were with me at the beginning started qualifying for the main draw. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna give this one more try. So I moved back to San Diego, had a couple clients that I would do personal training with on the side, but really tried to push my pro beach career. But yeah, I've been really fortunate to have a lot of clients that have stayed with me for years now. Um, you know, two, three days a week, they come in every morning, same times, every Monday, Wednesday. And uh, it's been just you know, building relationships and uh, but like I said, I'm always trying to learn different things and whenever my mom teaches me some new hip sequence stuff or, you know, gluteus medius, like I, I listen and try it. It's like same kind of thing. Like as a coach, you, I always try to feel like, okay, what is this drill going to be like with the human body? It's like you want to feel, okay, like when I do this exercise, what's happening so I can deliver that to my clients too. So I think it's, yeah, it's another one of those professions where you're like, you're just constantly challenged. And I guess that's why I love it. Yeah. Just, I think can't that's... Get lazy. I think that's a theme that comes up pretty frequently on this podcast is like always trying to learn something from someone else. And you seem like that type of guy. And something that I've really picked up through you talking today was how highly you speak of Miles and Andy and like how, how hardworking they are and what what's the limit for these guys. I mean, you guys are going into an Olympic quad right now trying to get into that qualification. And what where where does this stop for them? It doesn't. We just got to keep improving. And so, um, yeah, a big part of that is like making sure they're putting in the time, taking care of their bodies and uh, what they're, you know, just kind of control what they can control off the court. And then on the court, just, you know, whether I think some of these losses have helped us a lot realize, okay, like we need to tighten up this area, this area, this area, and then get back to practice and just work on it and work on it and work on it. And like I said, I just I try not to put any limits on anything they can do. Like there's certain times I can imagine, like, hey, you maybe could have tried this, or we should option more. Like, like, just but yeah, I want to be like a bouncing board off them rather than me telling them like what to do. I think that they're just going to keep evolving, and like I said, they have to understand. Like, and I think part of it is like you have to fail. Like we have to. Sometimes you might look stupid trying something, and you double it because you're trying to hold the elbow like back too long on your jumps. Like, but that's part of the growth. Like you have to be willing to fail a little bit in order to get it. So I know at the beginning when we went to Brazil, they had like a, a sword and all their volleyballs that said live by the sword, die by the sword kind of thing, right? That we're going to do this and we're going to jump set. We're going to go after it. And I think it's just, I can't stop. We have to keep getting better in like all aspects and just, I mean, the goal, the goal is made the Olympics. And then once we're there, it's like, goal is to win the Olympics, right? So, um, so yeah, we just got to keep, like I said, stay healthy and just nonstop work. Video, video, video. And when we're on the court, just, do everything we can to, to push but yeah like i said it's, it's really neat to work with them because i'm learning a ton just by being around them so and i think they learn a lot from each other too it's like a, a, a just a two-hour learning block for all of us yeah miles one of the smartest young men i've ever been around i mean I, 
I watched him ask a question at 17 or 18 years old, middle of a national team practice. Am I supposed to take my peak on my second or my third step? Yeah. And of course, I'm sitting there going like, I don't even know when I take my second and third step. It's <laughs> at a, an unbelievable level going on right now. Um, yeah. And of course, that, that has to speak to, right, you talked about learning from a couple of the losses. Let's let everybody know those losses one of them is to Anders and Christian right in the in the final at Montreal and the others to Oman and Helvig who I think are the other top three teams in the world so these are yeah. and in third sets right they're not like you're not getting blown out 21 15 yeah right? yeah no but yeah there's lots of things we can take out of those matches um and we want to win every time. Right? And I think we got to set the bar as high as possible. And like I said, but also like if we don't play well, like anybody can beat us. So as, as we learn in Chicago too, like everybody's, everybody's coming for us now. <laughs> so there's no, no easy rug because everybody really wants to beat us. And, um, but yeah, it's, uh, there's always something to get better at. And like, we've been really lucky with USA. Um, there's Brian Hurler has been helping us with stats and sending us info. He's been amazing. Just, Hey, we need you to look at like this, this, and this, and he'll spend a lot of in his own free time and send us like these are the stats when you know Helvig is hitting on two compared to when he's getting jump set. So we're, I mean, we're trying to yeah. I mean, it's it's so neat to be a part of this team and be a part of the USA program because you start to realize the resources to succeed are all there. Um, so yeah, I'm super grateful for everybody within USA and even on the road, all the physios that help out and um, nutritionists that help the guys behind the scenes. It's like it's really neat to be a part of the team in the USA program. But yeah, we're every, everything we can do to win, we're trying. Uh, uh, quick shout out, Brian Hurler. Good, good <laughs> friend of mine, actually. We met uh, yeah. 2019 in uh, a convention and kept up ever since. He was an indoor guy, but we brought him yeah. over to the lead side. And now, he's, uh, now he's loving his life down there in Torrance. So. Oh yeah, good, yeah, no, he's, hopefully he'll be in, uh, I don't know if he's gonna be in Paris, hopefully he is, but it's always nice to have him on the road with us too. Yeah. He always sits by us and just, just cool to be around. He thinks about the game in a unique way. I think he's one of, I think one of the reasons him and I got along so well is uh, he's not uh, a volleyballer from birth, right? He, he was in business for a little while. So if you ever, if you ever catch up with him, you know, ask him about oh, how I'll he tell him hello. Yeah. Hopefully he'll come to Paris. <laughs> yeah. I think he's, I think he's doing Paris and Mexico. We were talking a little bit and he's like, I don't know, man, we can't probably can't talk for a little while cause I'm gonna be out of the country. So. Okay. Well, that's good. Good for us. Yeah. Well, my God, it's, I know it's getting a little bit late. We do have a question that we ask uh, all the guests and as somebody who's on both ends of it, right. What do you want to see from college beach volleyball, right? Either as a juniors coach or somebody that is coaching them when they leave, what's the thing that, that college beach can do to, to get better? Let's see. Um, you know, like everybody's got different ideas being on these. I hear a lot of the issues from a lot of the coaches throughout the years, but like, you know, there's ideas been thrown in the past about like going Ryder Cup style with lineups. Um, and I think just, I, I like the fall, the way it's going with like, the, you know, this, the, the nationals and different things. Like I would love, it was really neat for me as a college tennis player because there was, you know, more fall tournaments You know, there was regional ones and there was national ones. And it was really fun. You know, I remember going to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and Atlanta, Georgia, being part of like my UCSB team. But like the whole country was there, huge qualifier, huge main draw. But it felt 
just different and fun, right? Because it's, it's individual, but at the same time, you're representing university. So I think it would be neat to see the sport, like push the envelope a little bit more in fall. I know it's tough because some schools start later than others, but I would love to see like the fall national championship have different regional national, you know, regional champ. I would love to see the, the fall part of it grow. Um, and I know it's tough because once the season starts, lineups coming and all that, but like I thought the idea of a Ryder Cup would be cool and just, and uh, I would like to see how things go with lineups and different things. Cause like for me, you know, I don't even know, is it an honor code with the lineup? Like for me, like I remember playing, like if I knew I was going to play a guy number three that beat me 15 times in juniors as a tennis player, like, you know, coach, this isn't a good matchup for me. Like, Put me down at four, put the four at three. Like, I'm pretty sure I can beat that four, but this guy has got my number. Like, it's mental. And so I thought that that was, like, a fair thing to do. Apparently, that's, I guess, in college, it's not. I don't know. So, I don't know. Just trying to figure out, like, what is the right way to go about the college sport? Because at the end of the day, it should be fun. Like, I know you guys, everybody's competing, but it's, like, you know, like, this. I just law, I just saw, like, Brooke Bauer and Tina Graudina played in um, Chicago together and played great. But they were always saying like how you know they're on opposite sides of the country and all of a sudden like to see them unite and play there like at the end of the day like it's everybody's going to play in a sport that we all love so um just yeah just trying to figure out if there can be some more unique styles and just the bottom bottom line is like how can we make it so because the coaches don't have dispute argument you know it's just like <laughs> how can we make the one through five so it's I don't know. I feel like there's been a lot of misinterpretation of the rules and what's cheating, what's not cheating. Is like, okay, how can we make that when people when people from reserve come into a spot? Like, how can we make that better? I I, I don't know if I necessarily want to be a part of that, but I think that that's maybe one of the bigger things for the sport and just the foundation for the future too. And the other thing I'm curious about, you know, maybe you guys can talk is like, what's you know, everybody's now like, oh, what's up with all the all the conference realignments? Like, how's that going to affect beach volleyball? But, you know, that's something that I'm excited to see how that develops too. So I'm trying to stay on top of it, but if you guys have unique insight and hear different things, you know, it probably won't be as much this year, but the following year, I'm assuming there's going to be some different different movements. So I'm just excited as a outsider looking in with the college side, but also as a fan, how this is all going to change and, you know, continue to see the sport grow. Yeah. So. Hopefully it's all for the better. Hopefully it's all good yeah. thing. Um, it did – did kind of spark my interest that i would love to see a fall college beach rider cup where we take you know you (laughs) a team of 12 americans and you put together a team of 12 international players Uh we put them together in a lineup and they've got a i mean we could pick uh (laughs) hector could easily coach the uh the international team um yeah you know and i'm sure daniela and tana would be a part of that but I don't know. That, that made it fun. I, I love the, the Ryder Cup lineup style is something we've been talking about for a while, right? Like Michael yeah. picks ones and then I pick my ones and my twos and then he picks his twos. Yeah. And th- yeah. Uh, just thinking outside the box. I mean, there's no, like I said, I know it's tough for the coaches too because you guys are all super competitive and it's your job to win. So, but um, yeah, I'm curious, like I said, I don't know if there's a way to ever fix what people interpret as cheating. Like for me, I don't, like I said, as a test player, I don't think it was ever cheating if somebody switched a three and a four. It was just, I thought a lot of it was matchups, but I guess the, the the way the rules were initially written for you guys, it made it seem like you're supposed to play your top team in your second, but then it just leaves a lot of, I don't know. So that's my, that would be the best thing ever if I didn't have to take calls about what other coaches are doing and how other people feel. It's just that if you guys had that figured out, it would help take a lot of stress off my life in the, in the spring. So 
make that happen, Colin and Michael. Well, let's put it this way. We all know who we need to talk to. Beth, if you're listening, um, Beth Van Fleet, this one's on you. We're all we're calling your name. We're sending up the bat signal. Make everybody stop uh, fighting over lineup stuff. Make it happen. <laughs> Beach rep. So, uh, but no, thank thank you so much, Mike, for coming on. It's been I love getting to hear the way that you talk about coaching and, and just your perspective. I think you're one of the coolest people in the sport, and that's why I'm up past my bedtime uh, jazzed about doing, uh, doing this podcast with you. So thank you. Sure, yeah. I'm honored. Thank you guys for having me. It's fun. Yeah. Best of luck to your teams, and yeah, I'm excited to see everybody in the fall. Definitely. Your team too. Yeah, thank <laughs> you, and good luck to you guys as you guys travel the world.